Welcome along to another big match build-up show. And after the embarrassment at the Etihad, seems like it's gone from bad to worse for Saints. Now we go into this week, it could well be make or break for Mark Hughes. And on this week's show, I speak to Ben from the Archers Road End blog and we speculate how much longer we're going to give Mark Hughes plenty of questions to ask and whether he could be here after the weekend. I would say even a draw won't save him on Saturday. I think it has to be. I think I, I think it's a win. I think he needs a win and a performance to save that job. Because I don't think a shinned winner in the 89th minute would would save his job. I don't think it would. And to be honest, I don't think it should. In my opinion, I, I think he's overstayed his welcome. But yeah, looks like it's going to come down to this game. On top of that, though, do stay tuned for our full conversation. We discuss, we delve deeper into the underlying problems on and off the pitch. So do stay with us and join the conversation. As for the opposition this week, though, I speak to John from the Watford podcast from the Rookery End, and he tells us why the Hornets are buzzing where they start to the season. Oh, yeah, amazingly satisfied. Um, the, the points tally, definitely. Um, you know, we are, as most Premier League clubs, looking at that 40 points. Um, once you get there, then let's have a think about it, but that's always got to be the aim. And, you know, we've got some some good wins, and, and even our losses don't seem to be... You can see why. So stick of us for the rest of the show then for some important travel news heading to Southampton this weekend on the trains. Uh, feel free to join the conversation at any point in the comments below. And hello if you're watching with us on the new YouTube premiere feature. And also if you want to download the show, it is available in the card above my head for iTunes. And whilst you're there, please feel free to leave us a review. Tell us how we're doing, whether you like the new format, and would really appreciate it. So let's find out whether we think it could well be make or break for Mark Hughes this weekend as Southampton prepare to play Watford. So welcome along to our first half of our big match build-up show and a a new debut uh, for the preview show this week. I'd like to introduce Ben from the Archers Road blog, the Archers Road End blog. Uh, ben, actually, you might have been seen on the uh, preview show for the season and also the end of season show. Uh, thanks for coming by, mate. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Love the ugly inside. So it's crazy. It's actually an honour to be on. So thanks. Oh, thanks, mate. And um, well, I suppose as usual, we'll um, we'll start about uh, the previous match and. Probably a lot to be said about this one. I mean, I mean, where to be? Where shall we start? Really? I mean, what can be said that hasn't been said already? A six-one humiliating defeat at Man City. And, I mean, is it is it sensational City or is it just a stark reflection how pitiful Saints have become? I think it's a mixture of both. To be perfectly honest, um, I'd say that yeah, City are just an excellent side. I think that it really exposes just the the, the gap the inequality in this league that City were able to just absolutely run away with it. But let's not let ourselves off the hook because as good as City were, we were just as awful, absolutely all over the place. So soft in the middle, so soft out, you, you know, a lot's been a lot's been made of, of performances from Hoybier this season. Um, and a lot was made of the supposed, you know, improvement in defence, over the past two games, which proved to be, you know, a, a, a false storm. But, but the truth is, we have defensive midfielders who get caught out, caught out of position very easily. 
tactically very naive. Defenders who, when they come up against the top sides, they're just not good enough. Mm. I'd, I'd say if they come up against a top 10 attacking attacking lineup, they're just not good enough. And uh, they got we got absolutely torn to pieces. We deserved it. Um, it was an atrocious display. And and before Danny Ings put that penalty, and I think Wesley who had scored two goals, two own goals, more than goals we actually scored ourselves. I know that he gets a hard time. I get that he gets a hard time, but he's a professional footballer and he is paid to perform at a certain level. And whilst I've seen him uh, perform admirably and, and whilst I've been at St Mary's or when I've been in away games, there are people who give him absolutely no quarter at all. You know, uh, he can make... I mean, I remember against Bournemouth last season uh, when we were 1-0 up, he made, you know, a, a, a goal-saving, you know, a goal-saving tackle and people around me were just back to knocking him again minutes later. Um, but he but he needs to improve. And I think that he was, you know, he was never signed to be that senior player and he's found himself in that position by almost by you know a combination of got a bad luck and bad business and it shows he's just not he's just not without an experienced player beside him he's just not good enough he just doesn't perform at this level without someone experienced next to him and it just doesn't seem to be working because he doesn't just need experience beside him he needs good experience beside him I think defensively he's, he's still incredibly naive and I think that rawness really shows through they, they turned all of our defenders inside out, really, I think, on the yeah. afternoon. And as you say, the defending was atrocious. And if you look at the replays, at one point we had eight defenders afraid to put a boot in in the, in the penalty area. I think he yeah. himself was nutmegs almost to the build-up in that sort of uh, sequence, let's say. But they were queuing up to strike it. it this is this is sub-Sunday League standard, or is that being a generous? I mean, it, it was like they were dribbling around bollards. It was basically. It was a dribbling, dribbling around bollards. I, I think it, it looked like a training game at that point. It looked like they were playing against a load of kids. And to be honest, it was men against boys out there. People, people take, people grasping for positives and about the fact that we scored a goal, and that annoyed me because yeah, we scored a goal, but it was given to us, mm. and you should dispatch penalties. That that's not the, the fact that we scored a penalty. Yeah, that's great. It means absolutely nothing. The problem that we have is converting them from open play, and I haven't seen anything to show that we're anywhere close to getting to that level yet. And where does you know where does I hate to be someone who kind of apportions blame, but where 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 does it where does it ultimately you know lie? And I think I think I think you know that that's that's the question we're we're gonna we're gonna be you know need to need to answer. Saints, they wheeled out Pierre Mahuiberg after the match, standing up to press again, furious, apologising apologizing to the fans. And you had a few words to say about this uh, over on Twitter. But how many, how many times can he do that this season? The words mean absolutely nothing. Uh, you know, I know that he, he, he seems, you know, Hoiberg seems like a decent, honest lad. And it's cynical because the club will always put him out there. They'll always put him or Oriol out there after a bad defeat. Because they want to spin it and they want to give wheel out a nice guy to try and deflect some of the flack from some of the utterly disgraceful performances. And where was Ryan Bertrand? Ryan Bertrand is our captain. Captains stand up. Captains come out and they front up after those sort of games and go, you know what? 
we were not good enough. And I like Bertrand as a player. And when I hear him in interviews as an individual and as a person, he strikes me as a nice guy. As a captain, no, not at all. I think he's a dreadful captain. And I think it's a terrible decision that he was ever handed that captaincy. We've had a succession of utterly ridiculous, you know, captain choices since since we got rid of since we got rid of Font. I mean, given the captaincy, I mean, it all started to, to go wrong, in my opinion, when they gave the captaincy to, to Van Dyke. It's it's clear they gave him that the the big bumper deal, and we all know what bumper deals mean. Bumper deals are just there to protect the price when it comes to the summer, so that we don't get our trousers pulled down. Mm-hmm. We did anyway. That's by you know that's that's by the by. But giving him the captaincy alongside it, surely they must have known, or they must there must have been an inkling at the club that psychologically somebody like Van Dyke was wouldn't be sticking around because you need a captain who's going to be there for a few years on that logic yeah seems fine to to hand it to Bertrand but when you actually see it in practice no he's, he's not a good captain I, I don't I don't I don't buy the whole quiet authority thing to be a captain you have to be out there you have to be organizing players at, in, in, at, during set pieces you know good captains you see them sometimes physically moving players before set pieces you don't see, you don't see that from him i don't think he's a captain and i think that the fact that they will out hoybier whenever we we lose heavily yeah we know pierre cares you know we know he's one of he's one of the, the, the few players who cares and he comes across very well uh, but his words i'm sorry they make absolutely no difference at all it's all down to performance they they have to pull their pants up pull their trousers up and have to perform on Saturday or just shut up. Mm. And I think the, the more they, they wheel Pierre out in the press interviews, the, the novelty wears off. But I, I think it is fair to say that, you know, most fans, including myself, has uh, all, all but lost faith. How much, can the long, how much longer can the board um, ignore this dramatic demise? I mean, of course, a lot of the fans are rightly calling for their head as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the board are never going to sack themselves. Let's, 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 let's be honest. Uh, is that, but you look at... Les Reed. Les Reed reports into Ralph Kruger. Um, Ross Wilson reports into Les Reed. And you, you start to look at it and you start to think, over the past two seasons in particular, they've eased off the, they've eased off the gas a little bit. I think, the, I think that on the footballing side of things, someone has, you know, terrible metaphor. They've, they've taken their eye off the ball, essentially. Mm. And at the moment, we have a manager who can't really make up his mind what you know had a whole pre-season I mean let's not forget that as well he had a whole pre-season this isn't he came in a couple of weeks before the season started he's been here since you know March April time and he's had enough time with that squad to get them playing in the way that he should be playing and he was backed in the transfer window in the summer and he experimented with formations all during the summer. We've had 45 minutes of the opening game of the season, tore up all of it and, mm. and just went back to, to what he knew, went back to two banks of four and two up top, which is what a lot of people were calling for. But now we kind of look at it and we've gone, well, it goes a bit deeper than that because even the strikers aren't really producing. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, my view is, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of finger pointing will probably go on 
uh, on the footballing side of the club. Mark Hughes will say he's not been supported. I don't necessarily agree with that, and I don't think he's a fantastic manager. As much as I appreciate what Les Reed has done at the club, and I think that a lot of people do tend to forget um, over the past few years that he was with us during that that kind of rise from League One back into the Premier League, and he has to take credit for the, the Pochettino appointment. He has to take credit for you know the Cumin appointment. Um, and that summer when we lost so many players and replaced them with high quality players he deserves a tremendous amount of credit for that but it doesn't mean that things don't go sour it doesn't mean that people don't need to go when the time is right and I think that at this time it's a good time for him to go um, I think it's a good time for us to, to, to let him go to be perfectly honest because his last few decisions uh, uh, could have uh you know, potentially catastrophic uh, outcomes for mm. the club. Yeah, and I think the bottom line is that the buck stops at the board and we need to see some accountability yeah. from, you know, from whoever it is that is running the show, whether it is Les, whether it is Ross, whether it is Ralph himself. But Mark Hughes yeah. is, is, is clearly not the man to take us forward. And judging by the reports, this could be make or break um, this weekend. And I've read hundreds of comments probably across our forum, our social media sites, and I'm struggling to find just one person supporting Mark Hughes. And surely, you know, if we do lose to Watford at the weekend, he, his, his position becomes, for me, untenable. Um, yep. Currently, he's not the favourite, but he was favourite before Monday night. He's at three to one to next uh, Premier League manager to lose their position. He's only behind the odds on uh, Fulham's uh, Slavisa Djokanovic. With regards to Djokanovic, I don't think he's a bad manager. I just think that he uh, has been incredibly naive, and I don't think they strengthened in the right places in the summer. I mean, clearly they didn't. I mean, the fact that they were after Matt Target, you know, it, you can tell why they were so desperate to get hold of him. Now. Because uh, they really need, they really needed defenders, basically. Um, but Hughes, I would say even a draw won't save him on Saturday. I think it has to be. I think I, I think it's a win. I think he needs a win and a performance to save that job. Because I don't think a shinned winner in the 89th minute would would save his job. I don't think it would. And to be honest, I don't think it should. It's almost frustrating having this conversation because we're because he's he's. He's almost, you know, he's proven that he's not he's not been up to the task with us. We're poorly organised, and he's had all his time with these players, and he hasn't communicated his ideas. In my opinion, I, I think he's overstayed his welcome. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to come down to this game. Mm, I think it is. I think it should be make or break, and, and and there is a statistic that is quite damning that he's got the lowest win percentage of any Saints manager with at least twenty games at twenty one percent. You know, worse than Pochettino, worse than worse than you know Branford and and uh, was it uh, Poitvale in in the Championship, and and worse yeah. quite worse than quite a few others as well. But Watford are a strange team this weekend. I mean, it is yeah. it is difficult to judge what sort of side will turn up this weekend because you know they'll lose four 0 at home to Bournemouth one weekend and then go to, uh, go away the next few weeks and comprehensively beat uh, Wolves and Huddersfield. But but last weekend they lose at Newcastle. I mean, what do you think we can expect of Watford? Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? I mean, they're, they're the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde team. Um, clearly, he's talent in the ranks. They're a very good side, quite similar to us in some respects. When we were, we were when we were under Coombe, and you know we were capable of playing exceptional, wonderful attacking football. 
but then you know people forget with you know when 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 we had Coop and we had Mane and and, and Pelle that we were still capable of absolute stinkers at mm. times. Yeah, and I think we need some inspiration as well. But last time in the league against Watford, we were robbed three points uh, of of three points because of Decore's handball in the build up, uh, sort of basically knocking it over McCarthy in the ninetieth minute, a sucker punch, which would have actually eventually let us left us a little clearer of the relegation zone. I mean. Last time at home as well, St Mary's, they won quite comfortably 2-0. But what's your prediction this time out, though? Hughes has called this game huge and Hoiberg equally has called, a, called for a massive reaction. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that we've had a lot of chat. I think that with regards to the last what I mean, it's interesting that the, the last what for the the last what for the away game of the the the, the kind of handball in the ninetieth minute because I, I think that that was you know that encapsulated our season to a T. Mm. You know we were strong in spells, we were absolutely dismal in others. With regards to this game, um, I can't see us winning it. I can't. I don't think we lose. I think this would be a one-one. I just can't see us winning. I think. I think that. It's got to that stage now where players know when a manager's under pressure. You know, we had Lamina today come out and, and supposedly kind of give a vote of confidence in Hughes. Um, he's not going to say otherwise, is he? Mm. I mean, he, you know, he knows which way his, his bread's buttered. It's unprofessional for a player to criticise their coach. I can't see us winning on Saturday. Um, and I think that. I don't want us to lose. I know a lot of people are saying, "Let's." I, I'd take a loss so we can get rid of Hughes. No, my my priority. I would never go out there. I would never turn up at a game wanting my team to lose. And I think the people who want us to lose um, on Saturday, just so they can get rid of uh, Hughes, have a look at yourself because it's cynical, and that's not what football should be about. You go there, you turn up. We support the team. Mm. Whatever I think of Mark Hughes, whatever I think of those players, minute one to the 90th minute, plus three, plus four, you know, whatever, I am 100% behind that team. Now, in my, you know, in my heart, that's what it is, but in my head, I can't see us getting anything other than a draw. And I think it's fair to say a lot of the fans, like we, like we said earlier on, have lost faith. But that is the confidence in our team at the moment. But before we do sign off, though, mate, uh, just tell everybody, remind us uh, where we can find you if they want to read your blog. You can find me at archersroadend.wordpress.com. Um, you can find me spouting off on Twitter at archersroadend. Um, same on Facebook, same on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, just, 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 just say hello. But once again... Thanks for having me on. Um, it's always it's it's been great. I've been reading the ugly inside since I, I, I used to go to the Dell. Um, so it's a real honour to be on here. So so thanks once again. And and we appreciate your time, Ben. Uh, uh, thanks for joining us and hopefully we'll catch up soon, mate. Yeah, thank you very much, mate. Nice one. So once again, a big thanks to Ben from the Archers Road End blog. Do feel free to head over to Twitter for, to follow him for some more writing, some more ramblings, and do check out his blog for more as well. But judging by our conversation this week, I think it's uh, we're in, in agreement that we feel it's both inevitable whatever happens um, this weekend. But I'm interested to find out what you guys think. Do you think it's make or break for Mark Hughes? Let me know in the comments below. 
Um, as for your travel news, though, if you're heading into St. Mary's and Southampton this weekend, on the trains, be aware that our bus replacements from Basingstoke onwards towards Southampton Central due to the lines between Winchester and Eastleigh, they are closed because of some engineering works this weekend. If it's not engineering works, it's strikes, which we have to look forward to. Well, I say that loosely uh, in a week or so's time as we're heading up to Fulham um, at the end of the month. So do check your journey before you leave. Add an extra half an hour, an hour on top of whatever you're doing uh, for your trains. But now is time to turn our attention to the opposition and onto my conversation to find out all things Watford this weekend. So welcome along to our second half and welcome to our opposition outlook. Uh, this time we've got uh, another familiar face to join us from the Watford end, from the rookery end, should I say. And uh, John from the Watford podcast, from the rookery end. John, how are you, mate? Uh, yeah, well, we're doing all right. We're having a good season so far, so far. And off the pitch, really, your your podcast do real, really well. And before we get going, you know, congratulations on being nominated for once again for the FSF uh, Club Podcast of the Year. Yeah, it's, it's lovely. You know, we do our podcast uh, nine years now. Um, and the best thing about it is we don't get the award, but it was just, you know, just comments from fans saying, you know, they listen to us every week. And you think, well, at least three of you do it. That's nice. <laughs> I'm sure they've voted quite a few times then to get yourselves out for a night out in the Tower of London. Uh, back to the matters on the pitch then so far. Uh, would, I guess what you could say just over a quarter of the way through the season, 19 points. You've got to be satisfied with that after 11 games played. Oh yeah, amazingly satisfied. Um, the, the points tally definitely. Um, you know, we are as most Premier League clubs are looking at that forty points. Um, once you get there, then let's have a think about it. But that's always got to be the aim. And you know, we've got some some good wins, and and even our losses don't seem to be. You can see why. You know, when sometimes the football, you know, when you've got a, a team going, you're going. I just don't know what we're going to do. We're just terrible. Um, everything needs to change. And you can't really pinpoint why things are going bad. You know, Arsenal, we went toe-to-toe -to -toe with them uh, and they just showed in a few minutes what a, a top team should do. Uh, Fulham was probably a, a, a most frustrating game we had. It was a draw and we, we could have put it to bed a bit earlier. Uh, and, and Bournemouth, well, they were just Bournemouth um, being the way that they are and they, they sort of cleverly beat us um, and we were punished for you know a, a, a double yellow and a penalty and all of a sudden yeah penalty for Bournemouth how surprising yeah. um, but then you know the, 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 the loss this last week against Newcastle uh, was frustrating because we created plenty of chances um, but we just didn't quite put them away but you know I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the losses there but uh, you know we, we played some, some good football uh, and, and, and Gracia seems to have having had a whole summer uh, with the side really sort of carved out um, some, some, you know, a, a team and some options, let's say. Yeah, and over, over the past few years, really, you, you've become a bit of a merry-go-round for managers. But as you, as you rightly pointed out already, you know, some of your results. For me, I've been saying to a lot of people actually recently, Watford are a very strange side, very inconsistent from what I can see, you know. Playing really well, turning over Tottenham as well earlier on the season, going close with United and like you've already touched upon the draw with Fulham. A damaging defeat against Bournemouth, but convince a win straight after that against Wolves and Huddersfield. Yeah, I think what, what we thought we had, you know, Deeney and Gray up front as a two. So it was a four-four-two at the beginning of the season, and he didn't, Javi uh, uh, didn't change anything. You know, we had the same lineup, and that was good because it was consistent, uh, and we weren't getting problems of injuries. 
Uh, and then the big change sort of came uh, when we played Wolves away, uh, which is amazing because they're, you know, they haven't changed things at all, really. They're, they're, they're starting 11. And uh, we bring in Delafeu, uh, who's, you know, playing with Pereira and all of a sudden only has success up front rather than Deeney and Gray. And you thought, oh, that's a big change. Is that going to, you know, hey, let's just get a draw and away. But, you know, Delafeu and, and Pereira together just sort of have this lovely creativity um, and this sort of desire to, to prove themselves because I think they've sort of been through in their careers. Um, Delafeu, you know, in and out at Barcelona, uh, loans here and there. Uh, and, it, it, you know, then, then the following game against Huddersfield, they just absolutely, sh- you know, showed what, quite you know what talents they are with some amazing you know finishes uh to, to their game which unfortunately didn't turn up last week at newcastle so the team has changed but not not dramatically and never for the wrong reasons um it felt like on saturday against you know newcastle was not that we were complacent but didn't quite know what to do differently um and because because things went bad you know, we were making the chance and we just weren't finishing them. Um, and, you know, the feeling leaving to James's part was, well, if, if they sort themselves out after the loss to Bournemouth to the win against Wolves, then maybe, you know, some, uh, Southampton don't want to be on the, the end of, of, a, of a week of, of, of pondering on a, a loss away at Newcastle. Yeah, well, I'm sure the less said about our defeat, the better. But, you know, and our, and our defeat and it gives Newcastle a bit of extra space well, closing the gap really at the bottom of, the, of that table. But, you you know, Pereira, Delefeu, some very good technical players there. And they have been around the block a bit, actually. But there's something about Watford midfielders. Last season, it was a breakout star from Richarlison. This season, you've got Pereira knocking on everyone's fantasy league team. Well, he's a really interesting fella because, you know, he, he's been called up to the Argentina squad uh, last uh, round, and I think this time as well. But he... You know, was at Juventus, injury prone, and he came to us as an injury prone player. Um, you know, could see the wow, could see the greatness when he played in the first season, but then got injured and didn't, and, and seemed to be sheepish, let's say. But you sort of know that's him protecting himself and him wanting to make sure he was fit enough. And he really seems that way this year. He seems much more confident within his body. Uh, and and like I say, he's, he's expressing himself. He's much more happier when he's out on the on the left, and he can run at you, and you can cut in, and, and try and find the far corner. He's done it a few times. It looks lovely. Um, but you know, there's there's, a, there's a, a thing about the Pozzos and who they buy. That even though we bought him from Juventus and Delfeu from Barcelona, that sounds like it's a you know big big thing for a club like Watford to do. But they are. It's a mentality. I think they're buying. It's not just you know, the, the, the ability they're buying, it's, you know, this desire to, to, to sh- prove themselves and to want to make a step up. We've got a lot of young lads we bought, like Will Hughes, you know, who is a player who wants to come and shine the Premier League that he wasn't getting that opportunity at Derby. I think this, you know, Delafayu and Pereira want to come to Watford to shine, maybe to go to a top six in, in the Premier League, but definitely to go to a, a Champions League club after, after they've been uh, a Watford player for a, a little while, hopefully. It's clear to see that um, he is going to be one of your key players as well. But at the moment, you're getting some success out of your centre-forwards, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Isaac's a really weird fan. I don't know if you know what happened to him last year. So he went out on loan last year after he was the front page uh, of the uh, of the Sun on the Sunday for drinking two pints, uh, two bottles of Baileys. 
Uh, and maybe talking to the wrong sort of girls. Uh, let's just leave it at that. Uh, and and we saw him as a really raw talent. You could see something in there, but he was a young player who came in. Uh, and this year he sort of really ca- he's come in and you can see maybe because of the newspaper headlines that he got and his year out on loan in Spain. But he's much more you know, focused on being uh, a proper success grown up in many ways. I mean, I, even on Instagram, he, he was back in England early with his own personal coach sort of preparing him, his body for, for the season. So you can say his head is in really good place. You can still see the rawness, the, the lack of, of it, and his finishing is not 100%, but he's a handful. He's an absolute handful. Um, and when you've got, you know, Dancy Pereira and Dancy Delafeu either side of him, it's 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 a contrast, but it, it's a good contrast to have. Yeah, he seems like a big, bullish, brute centre-forward. You know, actually quite a few of them you've got on your books. You've got Okaka who can come off the bench as well. Troy Deeney, who's been out with injury recently, hasn't he? What do we know the extent of that? Is he going to return at the weekend? Uh, possibly, but I don't, I can't see him starting straight away. Uh, you know, success is big, but he's quick. Um, but the other, the other two are fairly big. He sort of, you know, sort of, you know, you know, breaches the two. Um, you know, where you've got Dini one end and and uh, Andre Gray the other. He sort of really fits in the middle of of both sides of things. And if he did add finishing, you know, much more confident finishing, he'd be he'd be pretty good. And Akaka, you know, has been injured, and you know, his first appearance on Saturday absolutely skied the ball when he should have put it in. But that just you know, it must come down to the fact that he hasn't played that much football. Yeah, and uh, big centre forwards, big bullish, fast centre forwards. In fact, um, strikes fear in the heart of defenders for Southampton Football Club at the moment. <laughs> I'm sure Vestergaard or Hoot is probably likely to put another one ball in the back of the net. But what, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, what Watford's approach is going to be at the weekend? Then obviously uh, Saints are a wounded animal, let's say, and mm. Watford perhaps want to bounce back from their defeat at Newcastle last weekend. I can't see Harry changing much. Yeah, he isn't a. He's only tinkered when needed. Um, we are going to probably see, we will see a change in midfield. Capu uh, got his fifth yellow. <clears throat> so what you're going to see is a young English talent who made his debut for England uh, against Spain. Uh, so Nathaniel Chalabar is probably going to come back. And he really excited us. We're with Decore, uh, who will be still part of that team this weekend. Him and, and, and Richarlison and, and Gray at the beginning of last season were really exciting. And, and, and Nathaniel had a um, an injury that, took him the whole season until the end the last game of the season where he made appearance away at Manchester United um, went away with England for that you know pre uh, pre tournament you know camp but didn't play of course um, so yeah, he's coming back with something to prove um, for lots of people but necessarily himself uh, and he needs to this is a great opportunity for him to show what he can do because Kapu was playing really well I mean that's a man who used to disappear the minute the 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 you know the, the winter ball came out in the Premier League, uh, but he's been playing fantastically well, um, and we wondered how Nathaniel would get back into the to the squad. So that's probably going to be the only change. Uh, I think success will keep that uh, that starting place, uh, maybe with Gray uh, as he did coming on for him. If like we said, we were behind both Gray, success, and Akaku on the pitch at one point at the end of the end of the game against Newcastle. All that being said then, John, um, what do you think your score prediction is going to be? Um, obviously, the last two meetings, we were robbed 
of a of a of a win at the at the Vicarage Road um, I last. That. I remember that. I think we do somehow. <laughs> probably f- put more fuel on the fire on the VAR argument. <laughs> um, and, and you won two 0 down at St Mary's last season. What do you think it's going to be this weekend? Um, I think. I always get my prediction is always one nil Watford. I never go so crazy on it, but I do think we will have. Uh, I, re- I really want to see a, a great Watford performance, uh, and if we can finish what we couldn't finish on on Saturday against Newcastle, then you know we 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 should hopefully you know get get the win. Um, if Watford play the way we have been playing, it, it should be possible. But we also know it isn't always possible. Unpredictability from Watford at the moment, but. As, as a bonus as well, it is the month of uh, Movember. And I asked you before we came um, on air, let's say, I asked you to think about your, your favourite memory from a Watford player over years gone by sporting a, a fabulous facial hair as well. Well, I started following Watford in uh, the late 80s uh, when moustaches were, were magical. Um, and, and there are many. In fact, we, we go to these events called Tales from the Vicarage where a lot of ex-Watford players come in and then they've lost their moustaches. Uh, I would have gone with Tony Coton, uh, you know, our Watford uh, goalkeeper uh, from back then. Uh, you know, strong, no-nonsense sort of character. But I sort of went with a guy called Steve Sims. And Steve Sims, you know, it was uh, it was... He had a, a good size upper lip, so it had some nice height to it, which not all moustaches have. It wasn't flary, but then, you know, moustaches weren't like that in the 1980s. But it, it was it was a dense one as well. You know, sometimes beards and moustaches can look a little bit weak. It was dense, it was high, it was a good, solid moustache. Sounds like Franny Benali's caterpillar he had on his upper lip <laughs> from the early um, early nineties, late eighties, when he's a part of the uh, the youth team. Um, I also, want to I found out today that um, one of your co-hosts, Mike, his father was also diagnosed with um, prostate cancer, and I want to say a big congratulations mm. on on everyone involved in the twenty six mile walk yeah. um, across London to Wembley, all for prostate cancer. And of course, that is one of the uh, the um, funds that we're trying to raise for for November as well. Yeah, we're really lucky. We had fantastic support from uh, from the from the Watford family and, and the football family with that. Um, you know, Mike got a lot of support through the you know, through the podcast, and we were able to raise about five thousand pounds in the end during that walk uh, in in July. Uh, and it was fantastic. It was really good. It was, it was brilliant. And we're still hoping to raise some more. Uh, but but Mike's dad uh, has had uh, all positive news uh, since uh, since his treatment. That's wonderful news. And and John, I appreciate your time as well. Uh, thanks for joining us. And where can we find you? Uh, always uh, at Watford Podcast uh, on your social media streams, uh, be it Twitter, Instagram. Download it via Google Podcast or Apple Podcasts from the Bookerind. Excellent stuff, and hopefully uh, we catch up after the weekend. See you later. Thanks again then to John from the Rookery End, the Watford podcast. And do feel free to head over to the FSF website where you can vote for them as your favourite club podcast of the year. Also, please feel free to donate to our Movember cause, raising funds for men's health, particularly prostate cancer, testicular cancer and suicide prevention. The link is available in the description below and in the comments below. But that's it for us then for this week. Do let us know how you think we're going to get on at the weekend. Is it a make or break for Mark Hughes? Thanks for sticking with us. All I've got to say now is come on, you saints.